How many know there's power in praise? Hallelujah. There's power in praise. Praise and worship is not just emotionalism. Hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. When you praise the Lord, you're giving your testimony by faith. I am going to see a victory. I am going to make it through. I am going to get a healing. Hallelujah. And so our worship is powerful. It's one of our weapons. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Turn your attention to the Word of God today. I want to read to you two scriptures in your hearing. Hallelujah. We've got some good things coming up here at Calvary. Brother O'Rourke will be with us next month. We're working on having the Hoffies back with us to do a weekend seminar for our worship team. They were amazing last time they were here. And uh, we're working on, on getting a firm date for them. So uh, we'll be announcing more on that. Also, I contacted, I reached out to a brother that is a musician. Uh, he used to play for the Magruders back in the day. And uh, his name is Larry Carter. And he is an amazing musician. I'm going to have him come. He uh, plays and he ministers. And so uh, I think you'll be blessed by his ministry. Amen. So we've got some good things coming up uh, in, in coming months. Praise God. Drove over to Hopkinsville last night. Had good church in Hopkinsville. We just installed uh, their new pastor over there. I'm pleased to say they've got a great couple uh, that'll be serving as pastor over there. They've been without a pastor for two and a half years. And God bless that church for being together, staying together, coming together, praying together. And they've got a great couple. Amen. Uh, and I happen to know him. He's my second cousin. And, uh, but they're great whether we're related or not. Just a good couple. Amen. And so we're just so thankful that God's timing, His perfect will is done for that church. Amen. But I, I watched that church coming through that. They were so excited to install that pastor and what the future holds there. And uh, I tell you, their worship was such a blessing in that house. And uh, it just was such a, a good, good service and a good time to be in the presence of the Lord. The reason I say all that is just to say, you know, we're not the only location that we're praying about. We're praying for the church worldwide. And we're praying for the church in the next town. And we're praying for the church across town. And we're praying for the church across the pond, if you will. We're praying for every church around the world, not just this church. And when we become kingdom-minded and mission-minded, God will bless the local church when we bless others. And so I say that on purpose. We're going to be having several missionaries with us in this year. And we're excited about that. Now, we talk about giving here in the local church, and certainly that, uh, you know, stays in place. Your, your tithes and your offerings should come into the local assembly. That's biblical. But there is something about giving outside yourself that you get nothing in return. When you give your tithes and your offerings, 
you do this. You, you're able to have a pastor. You're able to have a building. You're able to have a parking lot. You're able to purchase property out on the highway. We get things in return when we give into the local building, and that's biblical. But when we give to missionaries and we give to other churches outside ourselves, we get nothing in return except being a blessing to someone else. Can I encourage you, when a missionary comes, prayerfully consider what God would have you do to bless that missionary. You say, well, I don't get anything out of that. That's right. And then God can bless you because of it. God can pour out a blessing on us when we don't expect anything in return. Hallelujah. And so there's something so positive about being mission-minded and kingdom-minded. And I just sat in that church last night in Hopkinsville. I just sat there overwhelmed, and I just prayed over that church. Prayed over the pew I was sitting on. Lord, the next couple that sits here, bless them, oh God. Give them breakthrough in this house. Give them revival in Hopkinsville. Let there be a breakthrough in that community. Amen. And I get nothing in return for that. But I can tell you, God sees what we do and what we pray about. And when we bless others with no expectation, God will bless us. The greatest churches I'm aware of are missions churches where they bless others and God blesses them. There's a church in Tennessee that I'm aware of. They built an $11 million property and campus, debt-free, debt-free. And they are the biggest missions givers. They'll give hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions. They get nothing in return for that. And they built an $11 million campus debt-free. You came too late to tell me that, that giving to others doesn't work. When you give the gospel to somebody else with nothing in return, God blesses you. God can bless you. Hallelujah. So there's something powerful uh, that works that way when we give with no expectation. Amen. That's not my message today. I just was thinking about that and how important that is to give with the right motives and the right intention. It's healthy to give with no expectation. Amen. And then God will bless us. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 30 and then Lamentations 3. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Watch this. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Lamentations 3. I want to give you a few verses here. 21, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions, they fail not. 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, hallelujah. Great is thy faithfulness. I want to take my thought today from the, the beginning of Lamentations 3 and 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. 
turn to somebody and say, I've got hope. I've got hope. I want to preach to you today how to have hope in a hopeless time. How to have hope in a hopeless time. You may be seated. I have hope. The old song used to say, when trouble comes my way, I have hope. In our first text, in in 1 Samuel 30, I'm literally picking up on the text from Brother Hopkins last week in which he preached about David. We were just here last week and wasn't Brother Hopkins a blessing in ministry, amen? He just preached and hit the nail on the head. He preached from this same uh, uh, text that we picked up on in 1 Samuel 30. David has now come to Ziklag and he, as his, uh, upon his arrival, he finds that Ziklag has been burned to the ground. And all the women and children have been taken into captivity. All the men are there and they're, they're so upset because this happened under David's watch. And so the text says that the men wanted to stone David. And David was disheartened. But watch this. Watch what David does. When everything seemed to be against him, when his popularity had dwindled, David encouraged himself in the Lord. There's sometimes you're not going to be able to look around you to get your encouragement. There's sometimes you're not going to be able to look at the situations you're facing to get your encouragement. In fact, the things you're facing may be a discouragement. But I've got good news for you. You can still be encouraged. Despite what's going on around you, you can still be encouraged. David encouraged himself. So today I want to... I want to look at God's Word. I'm I'm a little heavy on scriptures today. Amen. Less pictures and more Word. Everybody okay with that? I'm just going to quote some scriptures and fire away and let the Word stand on its own today. And we're going to give you God's Word on how to have hope in hopeless times. You believe you can have hope in the world you're living in? Boy, what a world we're living in today. What a world. Uh, things have, have just shifted in such a dynamic way in recent months and years. I've, I've told the church, I wondered growing up, just a little kid growing up in church, I wondered how all these prophecies were going to come to pass. How the Lord was going to come back and how all these prophecies in the Word was going to come, come to pass. And then 2020 hit. And I began to realize how quick things can begin to happen. We were talking the other night. There's a spirit in this world right now. Thank God that the spirit of God is in this world, but that's not the only spirit that's in this world. Do you know the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world? He may not be in living form as the Bible prophesies that there'll be a literal Antichrist, but the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world working. And I think we're seeing it come to pass right before us. There's a spirit of the age that has come in and it's prevailing amongst us. And those without Christ are buying into it. 
Those without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God, they're buying into that idea and that, that, that spirit of the world. Can I tell you, there's another spirit in the world, though, and it's the church of God. It's the living God that is still moving in the, in the world. And yes, the Antichrist is here, but so is God. And last time I checked, he hadn't taken the church away. And so there is redemption in the world. There's grace in the world. There's restoration in the world. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so thankful for that. So I'm, I'm here to preach to you today that there can be hope in hopeless times. No matter what you're facing, no matter what we're still going to face, and I concede at the outset of this message, we don't know what tomorrow holds. I'd love to tell you that 2020 is over, and yes, on the calendar it is, but there's still a prevailing spirit. And I'll just go ahead and call it, there's a spirit of fear that has come into this world. Now, exercising caution in situations is not a spirit of fear. I put my seatbelt on not out of a spirit of fear. I do it as caution. There are some things we ought to do that's just common sense and caution. Don't buy into the spirit of fear. But I do come against the spirit of fear that would grip us and make us feel like we have no hope and we don't know what's going to happen. You know what? I'm human and I don't know what's going to happen, but I know a God that's in control. I know a spirit that's in this age and his name is Jesus and he's going to cause the church to thrive. Hallelujah, the church isn't going down, we're going up. And so we've got to get that spirit of fear off of us. Hear us, hear us today. We've got to get the spirit of fear off of us. The church of the living God is an overcoming church. The church ought to be a place of hope, not fear. The church ought to be a place that's an overcoming. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Amen. There ought to be a spirit of liberty and hope in this place, not a spirit of fear. And I'm so thankful. He is not the God of fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Hallelujah. And so I want to give you scripture today. In our second text in Lamentation, I just want to break that down phrase by phrase. And I want you to see how we can have hope in a world that feels hopeless. So let's start with verse 21 of Lamentations. First phrase, this I recall to my mind. Let's stop right there. This I recall to my mind. How many have lived for the Lord more than a year? More than a year, you've lived for the Lord. How many of you have seen miracles and deliverances and breakthroughs in your lifetime that you can recall? Yeah, yeah. How many of you prayed in the midnight hour for that fever to break and that fever came down? How many of you reached out on the phone and said, would you pray right now and the situation changed? How many of you were praying for a breakthrough in a situation and you got a group together? Maybe it was your ladies' group or you called the pastor or, or you called a loved one and said, pray with me right now. And then it broke and, and God came through. That's what I'm talking about. This I recall to my mind. Huh. See, it matters what you think about. I said it matters what you put your mind on. It matters 
how you think. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Can I say it again? It matters what you think on. And if we think on defeat, if we think on suspicion, if we think on negative things all the time, that's where your heart's going to go because your heart follows your mind and your mind follows your thoughts and what you think on leads us. Be careful what you think about. Be careful what you put your, your mind on. See, when you take control of your thoughts in the spirit, circumstances can't control you. You control the circumstances. Hallelujah. When you take control of your thoughts, bringing into subjective and captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you talk to your thoughts and say, I'm not going to think that right now. And it's easy to do when those thoughts come. Hey, listen, we're all human. We're all human. And those thoughts come to our door and they knock on the door. That negative thought will come to your door. Sure it will. That doesn't make you backslid. It's what you let in the door though. You're not backslid because fear comes to your door. You're not backslid because doubt and, and anxiety comes to your door. Listen, we're just human. We feel those things, but it's what we invite in and let set, set at our table. It's what we let invite in and we sit around and just think on. You see the difference? What we let our minds stay on makes all the difference. When you take control of your thoughts through the Spirit, circumstances don't control you. You control your circumstances. See, when, when they wanted to take the Apostle Paul's life in Acts, he went before King Agrippa. Watch what Paul does. Paul's response to King Agrippa in verse 2 of 26, in spite of the death threats, what does Paul say? He says, King Agrippa, I think myself happy. What a response to the king. The king is the only person standing between him and death. And Paul says, you don't control me. I think myself happy. See, Paul decided, you can do what you want, king, but I'm going to either live happy or die happy. What was he doing? He was taking control of his thoughts. It matters what you think about. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, including your mind, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, watch this, but, by, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. There's something about submitting your mind to the work of Christ. Hallelujah. Lamentations 3, we read, it's, it does matter what you think on. This I recall to my mind. Now watch the next phrase. Therefore, I have hope. Because I take into captivity every thought, I have hope. Oh, let me just hang out there for a minute. 
Even when Paul is telling us in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God, what else does he say? He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God because we're fighting the devil that you may be able to withstand or stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then verse 17, put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Listen, church, it matters that we not just take on the shield of faith, that we not just pick up the sword of the Spirit, that we not just put on the breastplate of righteousness, but he says put on that, sh- that, 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 that helmet that shields your, your mind. Put on that thing that protects your thoughts. The helmet of salvation matters too. He says put on the whole armor of God. That includes the helmet. Your thoughts. Oh, protect your thoughts. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, do what? Think on these things. Oh, it matters what you think about. Why? Because that's how you take your hope back. You say, Pastor, I've just been dragging lately. You've been thinking on the wrong things. Because the power of the Word hadn't, uh, the, the Word hadn't lost its power. God hadn't lost its power. You know what my problem is when I don't have the joy and the peace and the, 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 the hope that I need in my life? I've been thinking on the wrong thing. And I'm just as human as the next person. And the enemy, boy, he'll slip up beside me just like he does you. And he'll just sure feed you what... Oh, yeah, he'll feed you that thought. He'll feed you that thing. And sometimes we just buy in and we're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I do feel that way. I do feel that. And, hey, listen, we are human. Sometimes we have feelings. And we, but, listen, when we give in to that and we dwell on it and we don't take it into captivity, listen, just because you're upset about something doesn't mean you don't have a right to be upset about it. But don't hang out there. Take that captivity and say, I will not be injured in my spirit. I will not be offended. I will not let bitterness in my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, but, Pastor, you don't know the offense. Listen. You, you hadn't lived long if you hadn't had offense. Huh? It doesn't take long to get offended. It's what we let happen in our hearts. By the way, I'm going to pause right here, not in my notes. When you forgive somebody, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. Forgive. Forgive. Well, they hadn't asked me yet. I tried to use that one for a while, and the Holy Ghost checked me. No, you forgive whether they ask or not. You forgive whether they ask or not. Listen, if they never ask, then that's between them and their Savior. and They'll give an account for that. But if we don't forgive and you carry bitterness to your grave, you're going to give account for that. Don't hold on to that injury. Don't hold on to that thing that hurt you. Let it go. Stop dwelling on it. Stop thinking about it, how you were hurt. Some of us are stuck. 20 years ago, what happened? 10 years ago, we got stuck in a moment of what happened, and we're still there. Let it go. Let it go. Some of us are still in 2020. Let it go. We got to let the spirit of fear go. Oh, hallelujah. Ah, whatsoever 
things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, think on these things. It's time to take your hope back. And guess what? It starts right here. It starts right here in your mind. Huh? He said, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Now he hadn't even told you yet, this is what I'm recalling. He just says this, this I recall. We don't even know yet what he's recalling. We don't even know, but he says, I'm going to bring it to my mind. But then he goes on and he starts describing, here's what this is. 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. In other words... He's saying, you didn't do it, God did. You didn't get you out of that, God did. You didn't pick yourself up by your boots, God did. You didn't get yourself out of the miry clay, God did. He set your feet on the rock to stay. You didn't pick yourself up, you didn't heal you, you didn't save you, He did it. And He's doing it. Let Him do the work in your life. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Listen, we got to stop making it about us. Huh? Well, I just feel this way. Well, then you're going to feel that way then through your life. Well, I just am here. This is where I'm at. And, and the more we make it about us, then we're going to live in the realm of us. Anybody tired of living in the realm of us? Anybody ready to step out of us? Anybody ready to just check out of, of how I feel all the time and how this bothers me and how everything comes through my filter and how I feel? Listen, there's a point where we got to take our eyes off of us. Listen, we're not nearly as smart as he is. We're not as strong as he is. And when all we do is talk about how we feel, you're not glorifying his mercies. But the writer of Lamentation says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. He comes out of the gate swinging. He says, it's all about God. It's all about His strength. It's not about mine. It's not about what I do. Listen, this isn't about you. In fact, it's not about your good works. And yes, we are called to good works. But the idea that good works is going to bring us to something, no, we have good works because He brought us to something. Good works is the byproduct of what He's doing in our lives. Not good works does something for us. We do not produce salvation. Salvation produces good works in our lives. We got to put the focus back on His mercies. We got to get our eyes off of us and what we can do. Listen, it never was your strength. It never was about you. Hallelujah. And it's still not about you, no matter how much we dwell on it. If you dwell on you, you're going to live in the realm of you. How many know what I'm talking about when I say that? Because you've been there. I've been there. I've lived in the realm of Pastor Shellhart. Sure, we all have. We've got to break that. We've got to break that idea that it's about a, it is of the Lord's mercies. We get to talking about Him. He didn't say things wouldn't come against us, but He promised that when they did, they wouldn't consume you. Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. He didn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed. He said when it is formed, it won't prosper. So when the weapon comes before you, he says, I'm going to break that yoke. The weapon will come, but we've got to let it be broken before the Lord. We've got to make it about his mercies, not us. Hallelujah. Weapons will be formed, 
But aren't you thankful that it's mercy, His mercy. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. It's the mercies of God that follows us around. Aren't you thankful for that? His mercy follows you around. Psalms 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Watch this. I will fear no evil for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Listen, it's His mercy that follows us. Left to ourselves, we'd self-destruct. That's the truth. Left to ourselves, we'll do life carnally. We'll do life on our best day just kind of with a limp. But if we'll let His mercies come on our lives and we'll acknowledge His mercies, oh, He'll pour it out on us. If we'll make it about Him instead of us, He'll pour out His mercies. The writer of Lamentation says, When your mercy is upon me, I'm anointed even when my enemy is, is near. In Psalms 23, it says, Even when the enemy is near, I'm blessed and my cup runneth over. God's mercy is in control, not the enemy. The next time the enemy comes talking to you, you need to declare to the enemy who's in control. And if you start talking to him from your heart, you're telling the enemy you're in control. But when you say to the enemy, listen, I'm not in control. It's the Lord's mercy that has authority over this. I told you Wednesday that some of us are trying to pray against the devil, but we don't have the peace that should be in our lives. We're letting chaos rule in our lives. The devil's not uh, scared of anybody's prayer when there's chaos and fear and doubt in our lives. He's not afraid of my prayer when I walk in fear all the time and then I go to praying. The reason why he doesn't shake and quake when I pray is because I let fear in my life throughout the week. Listen, you got to bind that fear in your life. Bind that fear. Let the mercies of God. Quit responding to your situations in life on how you feel. Quote the word to him. It's of the Lord's goodness that we're not consumed. It's his mercy. Devil, I got mercy on my life. You don't know who you're dealing with. I got mercy in my life. You're not dealing with Rick Shellhart. You're dealing with God's mercy right now. In the name of Jesus, go get him, God. Go get him with your mercy. Woo. It's not about me. It's about his mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Watch what he says after that, verse 22. Because His compassions, they fail not. His love towards you never fails. It never runs out. It never ends. He loves you despite your performance. I know and I, I believe in doing your best for God, but there's some days your best is not going to match, well, every day. Your best will never match the mercy and the, the compassion of God. He'll always do more than you. You can't outgive the Lord. No matter what your goodness is, no matter what you give back to Him, no matter what scripture you follow, you're not matching God. He will always outdo you. He'll always overcome you. Yes, do what the Bible says. But His mercy and compassion will always overcome you. 
He'll always do more than you. Uh, see, Jesus is always filled with compassion towards people. Hebrews 4 and 15 says that He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. There's something that God loves towards humankind that even when you're hurting, huh, even when you're broken, oh, He loves you so much. He would walk through a crowd and He'd skip over the healthy one and He'd go reach for the, the hurting one. He'd go reach for the, the, the humble one. He'd go reach for the broken one. He'd go reach for the, the lame one. Why? Because His love never fails. He's compassionate towards those things. If you've got brokenness in your life, you don't need to hide that from God. You don't need to, you know, uh, brush that by, well, I'm good at this, but I, I'm not. No, give it to Him. Give it all to Him. He loves you no matter what. His compassions, they fail not. Aren't you thankful for a loving, compassionate God? He loves you no matter where you are. Oh, I hope somebody hears me today. He loves you no matter where you are. Romans 5 and 8, He loves us so much that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much your performance doesn't matter to the love of God. Yeah. That's compassion, folks. You get your hope back when you start focusing on His mercies, His compassion, His love. Never was about you. Never was about your performance. Oh, yeah, he's going to help you live a better life just because you get the word of God in your life and you're automatically going to take steps up. And your life's going to get better when you walk in the word of God. But can I settle it? You doing those things is not necessarily what brings God greater into your life. He loves you no matter what. In so much he died for you while you were yet a sinner. That's how much he loves you. So it's less about our performance it's all about Him. That's how we need to start talking. You want your hope back in a hopeless time? Start thinking about His great mercy. How much He's done for you. Not what you've done. How much He's done. How much He's doing. You want to increase your hope? Think about grace and mercy. Think about His loving kindness. You need hope in a time that feels hopeless? Focus on Him. Lamentations 23, verse 23. They are new every morning. The compassion, they fail not. They are new every morning. Every morning you wake up. Huh. We ought to wake up every day and say like Psalms 118 says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then tomorrow when I wake up, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Wednesday comes around, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And Thursday and Friday, and this is the day. And here we are on Sunday, this is the day that the Lord hath made. It's all about Him. It's all about what He can do, not what we can do. Every day you ought to claim His mercies. You ought, to, you ought to tell the enemy, I'm covered in his mercies today. And tomorrow when you come back and try again, I'm covered in his mercies. Hallelujah. It's not you. It's not us. It's not us. The devil's not scared of us. But he sure is scared of God. Hallelujah. 
And when you get His mercies in your life and His loving compassion and His kindness working in your life, that's when the devil gets scared of us. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. I'm sorry, behold, old things are passed away. All things are become new. Every day we become new in Christ. Why? Because of His mercies. Isaiah 43 and 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the old things. Behold, watch this, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will, make even, uh, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said, I'm going to do a new thing. Hallelujah. Don't make me preach that series over again. Hallelujah. God wants to do a new thing in your life. A new thing. Tomorrow when you wake up, God wants to do a new thing. His mercies are new. Hear me, Calvary families. His mercy will be new tomorrow. This week when you face something, His mercy is going to be new. That situation that you don't know you're going to face this coming week, His mercy is new. Tell the enemy that he's dealing with God's mercy, not you. Oh, let me help somebody today. Calvary, you're blessed because God's mercy is on you. You're covered in His mercy. You have hope because of that. When God does a new thing in your life, you've got hope. How do you have hope in the times we're living in? You begin to put your focus on Him and His mercy. So, so far, we've read through Lamentations and everything we've read is the writer's View, he's talking to us, the reader. He says, this I recall to my mind and therefore I have hope. His compassions, they fail not. They're new every morning. He's talking to us, the readers. He's talking to anybody that'll listen. Hey, here's what I found. If you want to have hope, this is what I think on. But then he wraps up his total thought with a phrase and everything changes. He's no longer talking to the reader. He's no longer talking to you and I today. And I've enjoyed it so far because he said a lot of good things. But he shifts his tone and here's what he says. Lamentations 3 and 23. Great is thy faithfulness. Everything else before this moment was, hey, listen, what I have found works. And let me talk to you about God. I'm going to tell you what I've done and what works for me. I'm going to talk about God. But now he's not talking about God. He's talking to God. Can I tell you, if you want to get your hope back, sometimes we got to stop talking to ourselves, talking to others. It's time to start talking to him. It's time to turn our words and say, great is thy faithfulness. And talk to him. <clears throat> he says, I realize that your mercies are new every morning. Your compassion is new every morning. I remember all of this and I, I thank God for it. And I hope all that helps somebody. But that's not enough. I've got to tell you something else. I've got to stop talking to others and I've got to talk to God. Oh, there's something about stealing away and talking to God. Oh, I've taken my time firing up prayer at church because I wanted everybody to be comfortable coming back together. But it's time to get back to prayer in the house of God. 
It's time to open up the house of God and get back to prayer. It's time to come and spend time. And can I tell you, whether it's prayer meeting or church, if the doors are open, you ought to be in church. I said if the doors are open, you ought to be in church every time the doors are open. Hallelujah. Come get in the presence of God. Come be in the presence of God. And don't, yes, church is community. Church is a family. And I love the fellowship aspect. A good church has fellowship one with another. But can I tell you, a great church has fellowship with Jesus Christ. A good church has fellowship one with another in community and relationships with one another. But a great church has relationship with Jesus Christ where we talk to Him and we say, Great is thy faithfulness. I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. But i got to talk to God right now. I love you and we're going to talk and we're going to hang out and we're going to have ice cream and we'll have pizza and we'll have barbecue and whatever we're going to do. But right now i got to talk to Jesus. Great is thy faithfulness, he says. He stops talking to others and he starts worshiping God. Great is thy faithfulness. See, when we don't put our minds on him, we'll get our eyes on something else. When we don't get our mind on him, we'll get our minds on something else. David did. Psalm 73. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. <laughs> my steps were nigh slipped. For I was envious of the foolish. David got his eyes off of God and he started seeing those around him. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and they set their mouth against heaven... And their tongue walked through the earth. Verse 11. And they say, how doth God know? And, there is, and is there knowledge of the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. And they increase in riches. Verse 14. For all the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. He lost his hope because he got his mind and his eyes off of God and on those around. I wonder if anybody's ever been there. You... Nigh, your, 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 your feet nigh unto slipping because you got your eyes on the wrong thing. You ever been there? I have. I've gotten distracted. I've been there when, when those around me was distracting me. Oh, but there's something about getting in the presence of God and seeing God again. Verse 16, and when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. But watch what David did in verse 17. Until I went to the house of God. He said, when I came into the house of the Lord, I began to see clearly. What had distracted me began to fall away. Oh, it matters what you think about. It matters what you set your mind on. It matters what you give your attention to. It matters where your mind stays. And the writer of Lamentations says, after I've said all this to everyone else, i got to spend time talking to God. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, I just got to worship you. Oh, God, I've talked to everybody else this week, but I got to praise you right now. Lord, I've talked to everybody else in life about everything else, and I've, I found my words when it came to those subjects. But Lord, I got to find my words now to give unto you. I got to let my worship out. Oh, God, I got I to gotta, I gotta talk about how good you are. I've been focused on, on how bad things are around me, but I hadn't told you how good you are. 
I've been, I've been watching how I disagree with this and I, I don't like this and, and this upsets me and, and I found my words with all of that. Oh, it's amazing how we can find our words when we want to complain. But a simple I love you, Jesus, shifts your focus. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, you've been good to me. Lord, uh, you've been better to me, Lord, than I could ever be to myself. Lord, you, you've done for me what I could never do for myself. Lord, I just got to give you thanks. Lord, I've come into this house and I don't want to talk about me. I've, I've done that all week long. I've, I've thought about me and I've studied me and I've been disappointed with me and, and I've been disappointed with others and, and everything else. Lord, I just need to think about you right now because you're good and your compassions, they fail not. They're new every morning. Huh? Great is thy faithfulness, O oh God. Great are you. Lord, you're worthy of praise. No matter how I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, you are worthy of my praise. Hallelujah. Oh, there's something about coming into the house of the Lord. It's more than emotionalism. It's more than emotionalism. Huh? If it's emotionalism, you won't worship God when you don't feel like it. If your worship is emotionalism driven, you won't worship God when you don't feel like it. I'm just going to be really transparent. I do not raise my hands every time because I feel like it. Because I don't always feel like it. I do not come to church every time the doors are open because I feel like it. Oops, you're the pastor. Can I get a better amen in the house? <laughs> we don't always do everything that we need to do because we feel like it. I don't worship the Lord because I feel like it. I'm making the worship about me then. I worship Him because He's worthy. I might have failed that day. I might have made a mistake that day. But I worship Him because He's worthy. <laughs> He's still worthy. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> David said, it's when I come into the house of the Lord that I begin to see things differently. When you come into the house of the Lord and you worship, when you worship and you bring your praise and worship into the house of the Lord. In fact, I'll go one step further. Besides prayer on Mondays, we need to figure out a way to have prayer before service. I'm going to mess with your comfort zone. We need to start showing up at church, not only on time, not only on time, but a few minutes early to steal away a moment of prayer where you can kick off the carnality of the day and the week and you can come into the presence of God and give Him what He deserves. <laughs> ah. Not only on time, but a few minutes early to pray. You know what I found? That if I don't expect anything out of my flesh, I won't do it. Amen. 
And I'll get used to living at this level because I'm not expecting anything. You know what happens when you expect more out of you? You do more. And guess what? Your life changes when you do more. How many is old enough to remember some prayer meetings that you stayed long enough to be changed? Where you came to the altar and you didn't just, you know, say your, you know, uh, God is good, God is great prayer. But you stayed until there was a move of God's spirit and you were changed because of it. Something happens when you make yourself do more. Including your worship. Church, there are people that are going to come into the house of God and they need a breakthrough. I'm speaking to our home folks. If you're watching online and you're not our home folk, I'm not talking to you today. And if you're a guest here today, I'm not talking to you today. Amen. But I'm talking to our home folk. There's sometimes you need to worship whether you feel like it or not. Come on, Calvary. We need to worship whether we feel like it or not. Why? That's made up. That's contrived. We don't do that. Well, you ought to do that because some people are going to come in here and they need a breakthrough. And if all of us are bound in our worship, bound and sitting there not doing anything in church, then they're not going to get their breakthrough. Well, pastor, I don't like that, that, uh, you know, that level of commitment. Yeah. Maybe we ought to make church about somebody else instead of us. Huh? I said it before, I'm going to mess with you now. I hope every one of you gets your seat taken by guests that come in here. I hope every one of you, I saw the flu hardies have to sit up here on what was it, second row, and Jesus still moved. Been a while since I picked on you, brother. Amen. I hope every one of us get our seat taken by a guest that comes in. I sure do. I sure do. Because that means we got guests that are here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing restores my hope and my joy like getting into the presence of God. Amen? When we come in and we have thanksgiving and praise on our lips, you're not faking it. You say, well, pastor, I didn't have a great week. Well, your praise and worship isn't about how good your week was. It's about how good he is. Amen. And I get it emotionally. I don't always raise my hands because I'm feeling goosebumps. Guess what? It's not about goosebumps. It's about what he's worthy. So I worship him. So I dance before the Lord. Not because I've just, you know, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm making my flesh worship him. I'm making my flesh give him glory. Great is thy faithfulness. God, I need my hope back. I need my joy back. I need my peace back. So I'm going to put my focus on you. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to dance before the Lord. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He takes time to encourage the reader. He takes time to talk to others. And we ought to do that. You ought to encourage one another. And by the way, I'll say our words ought to be an encouragement to others. 
Please don't put your weight of words on somebody else. You don't know what they're carrying. And if we add our weight upon them, they may not be able to take that. If you've got a criticism about something, please don't share that with somebody else. They may not be able to take that. Make sure your words help someone and lift someone. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say it at all. Mama used to say that. Yeah? Well, it needs to be said. Careful. They may not be able to carry that burden. Sometimes what we need more than anything, though, is to turn our words, begin to magnify God. Magnify God. You know, one of the greatest things I've heard in a church is when I hear others magnifying God. When I hear you lift your voice and you're magnifying, nothing, nothing ministers to my spirit. You're not even talking to me. And you're ministering to my heart when I hear you worship. Imagine what the guests that come in and they desperately need a breakthrough of joy and, and, and a release and that loving kindness to come into their life. They need that and they get that when they hear you worshiping. Why? Because you're telling them, oh, we serve a great God. He's able. He's able. Do you know there's people that still need to know we've got a, a capable God. We've got a great God. Great is thy faithfulness. Shall we stand today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you just come to the piano, we're not going to sing anything today. If you'll just play, I'm going to close in prayer. Thank you, sis. Great is thy faith. I want us, as we come to a close in this service, I want us to put our focus on Him. Now, I know enough about enough in this room to know that there's some situations that we're dealing with in this room. And if we want to focus on those, it might be tough to lift your hands. Because I know what you're dealing with. It might be tough to lift your voice because I know what you're facing. I know some of the stories in this room and the enemy would love you to make your worship about what you're going through. But I've come today to restore somebody's hope back to you. And if you'll turn your focus onto Him, God will give you your joy back. God will give you your hope back. I wonder if there's anybody today that needs a little more hope in the day we're living in. You need a little bit more joy. You need a little bit more peace in your life. Well, I got, a, I got a solution for you. Make it about Him. Turn your focus on Him. That old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I almost forgot the last phrase. When you turn your eyes to Him, the world begins to diminish. That's what we want to do in closing today. We just want to turn our eyes on Him.
hands lifted all over this place, hearts lifted. Would you just open your spirit, open your mouths and begin to worship the Lord as we fill this room. I don't want us to ask for anything. I don't want us to do anything. I just want you to put your focus on Him. Would you do that all over this place? Would you just begin to minister unto the Lord and say, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, we worship you. Oh God, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. God, we minister to you right now. Lord, we praise you right now. Oh, come on, that's it. Put your mind on him. You need hope in this place? Put your mind on him right now. Great is thy faithfulness, oh Lord. The devil, you've been, you've been haunting me. You've been chasing me. Devil, you need to see that I'm covered in God's mercies right now. You need to see that God's mercies is upon my life. It's not my goodness, it's God's mercies. It's not me, it's God's mercies. Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Your loving compassion, they fail not. They're new every morning. Every morning. Lord, we bless your name. We give you praise. We give you praise.